All right, we're live and we're rolling. Welcome back to The Real Venture. If you're interested in learning about new business trends, starting your own business, or learning from other successful entrepreneurs, The Real Venture is the place for you. So welcome. I'm your co-host, Peyton Truitt, joined as always by Luke. Luke, how are we doing today? Uh, pretty good, Peyton. Thanks for asking. I'm excited for uh, what we're going to be talking about. And, you know, it's been pretty sweet seeing kind of the response from a lot of people on our old episodes. Uh, we'll be sure to uh, to follow up with you all on, on all your questions and whatnot. But Peyton, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about the real estate market. So uh, without further ado, let's just get into the conversation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, obviously what Peyton and I are working on uh, outside of you know, the podcast uh, is a little real estate venture. Uh, we've been looking around at a lot of properties that we think would be interesting um, to invest in, uh, to spend some time working on and, um, you know, hopefully taking care of long term. But, um, you know, it, it's a little bit scary looking at some of these numbers. They're, you know, we're talking like five, $600,000 homes at the cheapest. Um, and so, you know, we're thinking, is this a good time to be buying if everything you know, just keeps going up and up? And it's, continuing to get uh, get out of our price range and so i you know peyton and i've been looking into this but uh but peyton is this a bubble that's kind of like the big thing that you and i've been talking about but um what, what's your take so to be completely honest i actually think that 2021 is going to be a great time for us you know to start buying our houses and starting our real estate business and i think it's a good time for everybody else because to be completely honest i don't think that there's a bubble and in order for us to break down why we don't think there's going to be a bubble. We need to understand why there's even the thought or the fear of a bubble right now. And big shocker, that's going to trace back to, to COVID. So, you know, one of the most important things to understand here is, you know, these global pandemics, great recessions, all of these, you know, external economic factors, you know, first it, it starts off with the stock market and things happen there. People freak out and, you know, those those stock bubbles are relatively short. And I say relatively in, in terms of like American history, right? They're like these short little clips. The housing bubbles and, and recessions are a little bit of a different story. And I think that we all, you know, are familiar with what happened in 2008, which was the most recent housing bubble. And, you know, that happened for a multitude of different reasons. And it started a lot with like loans and, and mortgages. And that's kind of an area that people are freaking out on now. Um, so Luke, why, you know, why has COVID led to this, to this financial fear when it comes to the housing market? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that you, you know, you started on part of that with the, uh, the reference back to like the great recession and things like that, right? Like that recession was very, very different, especially on the housing front, because um, I mean, from a, from a perspective of why the recession happened in the first place, um, I think that uh, obviously it was completely different. Um, and the first great recession was caused by housing. Um, and, uh, and, and so when we saw, you know, kind of huge drop and huge rise in, uh, foreclosures, huge drop in housing prices, uh, that was mostly due to the fact that that recession was caused by a bunch of people getting mortgages that shouldn't have been getting mortgages. Um, this one, obviously a lot different. The main cause of the recession was the fact that you know, half the economy was completely shut down. People who are normally doing work couldn't do that work. Uh, and so they're just not getting the income that they were used to getting. And so when you think about mortgages, right, that's uh, um, obviously a huge chunk of your income. And so when most of your income dries up, it's going to be hard to pay that back. So it wouldn't have been a surprise if we saw a huge increase in foreclosures like we did back in 2008, but we didn't. So 
Uh, we actually the opposite, right? Prices have just kept going up. People are staying in their homes and there's a ton of reasons for that. Um, and, and just to kind of quickly overview all of those, we had um, uh, very low interest rates that have been caused uh, by the Fed cutting interest rates back in March of 2020. We had, uh, you know, the mortgage forbearance rules that were put into place at the start of all of this that are still in effect. We had the, uh, the fact that a lot of companies aren't forcing people to relocate at all. You can do your job from wherever. So a lot of people are staying put, um, as well as now the freedom to move uh, wherever you want to move and you can work from wherever. And so people go into these you know, safe cities, they're going to cities that are close to nature, uh, whatever the case may be. But Peyton, where do you want to start with all that? What, what's worth drilling into right now? Let's, let's start with, with the low uh, interest rates. So, you know, everybody you know, and their brother wants to have the lowest rate possible. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of people, they might not realize the magnitude of difference between a two and a 3% uh, mortgage rate. And, you know, we got to think about it. If you have a $500,000 house and there is a 1% difference, you know, that mortgage payment over the course of 30 years, which is the traditional loan term, you know, that number adds up pretty quickly and it, it results in a lot of interest. And obviously that's all on top of the principle of the actual house. So it can be a, it can be a huge factor. So when, you know, interest rates are, are lower, like they are right now, it's a really exciting time, but it kind of freaks people out. So, you know, Luke, why has that price, you know, fluctuated to, to the point it's at today? Yeah. And I mean, I think that the the most important thing to cover with that is why interest rates would drop in general. Like why, why is that a trait of a recession? Um, and it kind of all ties back to the Federal Reserve, whose whose primary job is to make sure that you know people have jobs and money's not going too crazy, inflation rate. Um, and so, when a you know a recession like this happens, um, the Federal Reserve sees that one of their main monetary uh, policy tools being um, you know, the interest rate in order to facilitate economic activity. The lower you make the interest rates in the in the country, the easier it is for people to to get money to borrow money in order to do things, whether that's spend, uh, invest, whatever the case may be. Um, and so the one tool that the Federal Reserve has is their the federal funds rate. So what they did is they slashed that to zero. Um, when they did that, it trickles down to kind of all the other interest rates that exist. So that's like your credit card interest rate, uh, the rate at which you're, you know, maybe you're saving at the rate at which you can get car loans, especially mortgages. Uh, and so we saw that just right away in uh, in March of last year start to trickle down. And it wasn't immediate. It's not a direct one-to-one -one thing, but it slowly happens over time as the banks are able to get money for cheaper, people are able to get money from the banks for cheaper. Um, and so we saw all of that happen uh, over the course of last year. Mortgage rates continued to fall. It was, you know, uh, at one point at the end of 2018, it was like four and a half percent for a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. Um, by the end of 2020, it was two and a half percent. And so essentially what uh, what that means for all of us who are looking to buy homes and, uh, and things like that is, you know, you, you are exactly like Peyton said, you're looking at a much lower total amount of money um, that you're going to have to pay on that initial upfront price uh, than you normally would. And so what that leads to and why that's led to a huge increase in housing prices is you look at a $500,000 home and instead of paying, you know, $300,000 in interest over the course of that loan, you're going to only pay $200,000. Um, and so for a lot of people, it's like, well, if I'm going to buy a home, now's the time. Uh, and that's led to a huge increase in the demand for housing. Uh, and, and so that's, uh, you know, that's a huge contributor. To this. And that being said, and that right yeah, there, right. no, exactly. And that right there is, is a huge contributor to the increase in demand. But the next area that, you know, we got to talk about with, uh, the mortgage forbearance, 
is a huge reason why the supply is staying so low. Yeah. And no, and, and right. And this all goes back to the econ 101 or whatever, right? Supply and demand. If demand you know, shoots up, housing prices or prices are going to shoot up with it. And if supply drops a lot, prices are going to shoot up just as much because there's just so much less to go around. And so Peyton, what's going on? Like, why is supply dropping as well? So supply is dropping because people simply aren't selling their houses, right? So there's, there's a multitude of different reasons. And, you know, this is the culmination of, of the four points that Luke and I started with. So first mortgage forbearance, right? You know, there are people who are kind of given a grace period. Um, you know, they don't have to pay their mortgages right at this point in time for, you know, whatever their extended deal is with their loan officers. Um, and, you know, basically what that's leading to is they're able to use their finances to, to pay for other things. Uh, so they're not having to pay their mortgage. Therefore, there's no reason for them to sell their house, downgrade, whatever the case may be, because, you know, they don't have to make any payments. So they're staying put. That also tied in with, you know, the whole new work from home culture. You can pretty much live anywhere. So a lot of people are just continuing to live where they are. You know, they might be out in the suburbs of, of a big city, but there's no reason for them to move because they can do all their work from their computer like we can right here. And then, you know, the the last reason is, you know, for the people that live in these like, you know, fun, uh, attractive cities like Austin and Denver and Boise, Idaho and, and places like that, Boise. Boise, Idaho, for real. It's like one of the fastest growing um, metros in the United States. And for many other reasons that, you know, we're, we're talking about here, but, you know, like people who already live here, like they're not going to go anywhere else. So it just completely tarnishes the available supply. And then, you know, these attractive cities, the increase in demand. And, you know, now we're getting the fear of the housing bubble, quote unquote. Yeah. So let's, let's drill into some of those. So, so like why, why do those specific things lead to a change in supply? So like starting with the mortgage forbearance thing, what, what are those numbers looking like? Like, uh, um, in a given year, let's say, um, about half the half a percent of homes, um, are foreclosed on. So that that's looking at something like a million almost homes in the US get foreclosed on. Um, and essentially what happened in 2020 was almost all of those million homes that would normally be shut down uh, are not. So so those all those million homes are stuck up in, in somebody who would have normally foreclosed is able to kind of sit on that for a little longer. Um, and that's going to continue until uh, June 30th, at least as of now. And so um, a big a big problem there is not only do you have those people not foreclosing, but you have other people who are maybe on the fence about keeping the home. They would have sold it otherwise. We're just like, eh, I'm going to hold on to see now because I got an extra year. Um, this is kind of just so taking out the uncertainty, which is something that fuels the housing market. Right. You know, people who are in between jobs, like normally they'd be selling their house or, you know, struggling to make payments. They'd sell their yeah. house and they're downgrade. Just none of that is happening right now, or at least for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I, I, at one point last year, um, you had 5 million people, 5 million houses that were um, locked up in this forbearance, right? So those were, that's 5 million people who weren't making their mortgage payments that in a normal year could have foreclosed, right? And so now we've had a year of kind of that bottling up. And then on June 30th, it looks like that that is going to, uh, um, to end up kind of like, well, it's going to expire, but, but it's going to end up kind of like, uh, bubbling over, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. But uh, and, and when that happens, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, if people who were in forbearance are now able to uh, make those payments. That's fine. But if they're not, there's going to be a lot of foreclosures. Uh, and in that regard, it's going to be a big depression on the housing prices, increase supply, right? More people are out there. Yep. Um, but uh, um, that's going to lead to you know, potential bubble burst uh, if that ends up being the case. So let's 
you know, we're, we just kind of like laid the foundation of, of what's going on, you know, at, at, at the United States level. Let's drill into a, a specific scenario at, as in a city. And, and today we're going to use Austin, Texas um, for a couple different reasons. One, um, you know, I live here, so I'm, I'm very familiar with it. But two, it is one of the, the hottest and, and fastest growing uh, metros in the United States for, you know, because it is a, an economically safe city. And, and we'll get into that um, a little bit more in depth. But, um, you know, let's talk about the Austin housing market specifically. So just to kind of set the stage here. Every single day, there are 169 new people that move to Austin. And that number may not seem like super big, but, you know, every single day, that many new additions are coming in. I mean, that's 169 potential people that need housing every single day. Ergo, the, the supply is way down. The demand is really high up. And now everybody's freaking out that there's going to be an Austin housing bubble. Yeah. And so, um, so like, why, why is Austin like drawing in all these people, like 169 new people a day, right? That's, um, I, I don't know how, what that is magnitude wise compared to other cities, but it's gotta be a lot. Um, yeah. What so is, what's keeping people there? Going? There's a couple different reasons. One, like cities like Austin, Denver, there's a lot to do. Um, you know, there are outside nature activities, good climates, um, you know, Denver more and more in the summer, Austin has a pretty mild climate all year round. Uh, and, and many of the other cities in the South and, you know, Texas, Charlotte is another city that's growing really fast. Um, so, you know, so there's some attractive, uh, you know, nature based things that are coming in, but then there are also a lot of great job opportunities, right? Austin, Silicon Hills, every single tech company, imaginable is, is moving their headquarters to Austin. Uh, and you know, that ties into a lot of, uh, corporate tax structure and in Texas, there is no uh, income tax, both corporate and personal. So something that is extremely attractive and actually, um, uh, Texas actually ranked fourth in most affordable, uh, states in the United States. Um, but a little bit of a caveat that a lot of people don't realize is Texas also ranked seventh highest in property taxes. So even though it's the seventh highest property tax state, it's still the fourth most affordable. And that kind of give and take right there is, is a reason a lot of people come, but you know, at the, at the same time, since it's so affordable, you know, everybody wants to buy a house. Well, so that, I mean, that's interesting though, right? Like we are, we're looking at some places in Austin and, and those prices just keep, keep going up, right? Like they've like doubled in the last year or something. Um, and if, and if the houses become more and more expensive, we're looking at a situation where somebody's net worth is more and more tied up in their house. Therefore their property taxes, because Texas is the seventh highest property tax state are going to be even a larger percent of their taxable income. So potentially one thing that's made Texas so affordable is the fact that housing prices haven't been San Francisco, New York levels yet. Yeah. But if they are going to be in Dallas, Houston, Austin, maybe that's going to yeah, change. No, absolutely. And actually housing prices alone in Texas rank about 20% lower than the national average. And you see it all over TikTok and Instagram. There's all this like, oh, look what 350K can get you in Texas. And it's like this giant, beautiful house. And, you know, that's yeah. the case. But like the little, the little thing nobody really tells you is that's not really like right downtown, right? You know, that, that yeah. house is, is out in the suburbs a little bit. And, you know, the other thing that's just like really interesting is Luke kind of brought up uh, as your, you know, your, your network increases. Um, you know, there was actually a study that was done um, by Polaris Wealth and it found that Dallas, which is, you know, a, another really hot market in Texas is 62% less expensive to live in than San Francisco. Oh, wow. Like that, 
that is insane. And, you know, to even take that a step further from a simple like cost of living analysis, if you made a million dollars in San Francisco, it would be the equivalent of making 350K in Dallas. And where you could could live on the same you could do the same lifestyle. exact same lifestyle as a million in san francisco and 350k in dallas and what's kind of crazy about that is the you know average home in san francisco is like 1.4 million so you know you're making a million in san francisco but you know i mean you you can barely afford a home and so that's what's so attractive about texas and, and austin specifically and that's why everybody is flocking down here yeah, no. And and how are, I don't know if you know too much about this, but like wages in Texas compared to a lot of those places, like I'd imagine if, if like you know, all these companies are moving down there that that's, you know, getting inflated a little bit. Um, what has been your experience? What have you seen? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the interesting thing just about like wages in Texas in, in, in general is, you know, if since all these tech companies are moving, obviously like their positions are staying the same. So, um, you know, a a software developer that's working for, um, you know, a a massive company like Microsoft, their wage in San Francisco is going to be very different than their wage in Austin just because the cost of living is lower, right? Naturally, that makes sense. But as more and more tech companies move in, the competition is increasing. Therefore, you know, they're having to increase their salaries in order to, to keep people around, even in Austin, where all this boom is happening. So all of, you know, all of those white collar jobs like that are, are, are skyrocketing, you know, so to speak. And it's making, you know, people able to buy more and more expensive houses and properties, which is also leading to like the housing shortages in the downtown area, because now everybody can afford these bigger houses in Texas. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And so let's let's think about like kind of like what you're saying, right? It's driving more and more people there. Housing market's going up. Um, what is it looking like in terms of long term growth? What's what's the growth been like? I guess first of all, and then what can we expect over the next? I don't know, four or five years, something like that. Yeah. So right now, the median home price in uh, in the Austin area is three hundred and ninety five k, and that is a twenty two percent increase year over year. Now, first off, I want to be the first person to say um, that 22% is not maintainable uh, in the long term, but I certainly think that double digits is. So, you know, next year might not be a 22% increase, but it's still going to be massive. So it's still going to continue to grow. And the other thing that's really interesting, um, we were reading an article the other day, the last time the Austin area housing market was considered healthy, right? Right now, it it is not a healthy market because of of the supply and demand. But the last time it was considered at a healthy six-month mark was 10 years ago in June of 2011. So Austin's been like this for a really long time. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I guess I don't know. To me, Austin's always been like a very relevant place. But I guess, you know, 10 years ago, maybe that wasn't quite the case. I guess Texas doesn't have the best rep from a from a tech community perspective. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's awesome. And so um, what is like your kind of um, your thesis? What, what are you banking on um, in order to see that double digit growth going forward? Like if you're going to invest, what are you expecting to happen um, in order to, to see the return that you're expecting? Sure. So the the first thing that you need to expect um, if you're you know getting into this housing market from a real estate standpoint is you're going to have to pay more money over the listing price. So even though that house is advertised for you know 450k, you're actually going to end up buying that house for 525 for 550. You hear stories all the time. We have friends um, down here that you know are getting outbid 
by like 40k in their 40k over over the listing price actually in in austin for every um there are two closings for every single listing um in austin so that's that's a two to one ratio i mean that that is super hard so in order to, to be competitive in this market you're gonna have to pay a, a little bit over which which makes sense but the reason that all of this is is gonna keep going and and the reason that we have this um we have this bullish outlook on this is because Texas is going to continue to grow uh, from a business standpoint. And, uh, you know, everybody freaked out with COVID and, you know, all of these jobs. Well, last month, the Austin Metro added 6,700 jobs. And uh, right now it has regained 75% of the jobs that were lost. So Austin is picking right back up where it left off. You know, obviously COVID was a little bit of a speed bump, um, but the city's coming back. And actually the Austin Metro ranked as the third strongest labor market across the top 50 largest uh, metro areas in the country. Um, and, you know, that right there is, is a testament to some of the, some of the companies that are coming in. And actually yeah. we have, uh, we have some numbers right here that are, that are pretty crazy. Um, Amazon has an, has a massive presence here in the Austin area, believe that, um, or not, you know, uh, Austin Bergstrom, the airport is, is, is in a pretty good spot right on, right on I-35. So, uh, Amazon's increasing their presence here, bringing in like 1700 new jobs, um, Ascension, which is the third largest, uh, job provider in, uh, in Texas. It's a, it's a big medical network. Uh, they're adding a thousand new jobs, but the craziest one and the one that's kind of all over the news is Tesla, and that's fueled by Elon uh, Musk's tweet last week about looking for ten thousand new jobs, and wow. he uh, added a little caveat to that and said that you do not need a college degree. So, do you think you think that those jobs then are? I guess I, I saw that tweet too, and I didn't look into it too much. But is that like? Um, you know, like programming jobs and they're going to still be looking for people who just like were grinding away on their own and, and know how to do that? Or do you think it's going to be more like uh, um, like manufacturing type jobs that don't really, you know, need any special skills? Well, I, I'm going to have a, a, a little twist on that. I think it's going to be both. But I also think in a manufacturing plant like Tesla, uh, you do have to have a skilled labor force even on uh, even on the factory floor. Uh, you know, based on the on the machines that they're creating. So I think that, you know, Austin is presenting a, a viable skilled labor market. And then with all of, you know, the the massive tech presence here with everybody who has a tech job, which, you know, if, if, if you go out on the town on the weekend, you pretty much every single person out there works in tech in some fashion, you know, like, Tesla is going to be able to pull from all that because basically they're just coming into a, uh, you know, they're, they're the big fish in the, in the small pond, so to speak. And everybody kind of wants to work for a company like that. So they're going to be able to pull a lot of people very quickly. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, I think, you know, like Apple's building something down there, right. That's, that'll hopefully be ready. And I think it'll, big thing will be, are people going to be coming into the office? And I would guess at Tesla, they will be, I mean, they I don't know if they even went home ever. Um, but like, and Amazon's bringing everybody back. Yep. Um, what about like Oracle? Is Oracle, Oracle bringing people? What about, you know, Google, other companies that have, you know, fairly large presence down there? I think those companies are going to slowly start rolling out that kind of, um, you know, those kind of decrees. And, you know, I, I think everybody was just a little bit scared, right? And they wanted yeah. somebody else to make the first move. Nobody ever wants to be, you know, first mover advantage is, is awesome, but like nobody wants to be the first mover in terms of sending everybody back yeah, after the pandemic yeah it's a little but amazon saying that everybody's going to go back on what i believe june um yeah hopefully by the end of the june. year they said like 80 percent of the people will be back or something 
Yeah, exactly. Right. So a lot of those companies, like their culture is, is built off office collaboration and stuff like that. So a, a big giant like Amazon saying everybody's going to go back, I think is going to bring the Googles, the Facebooks, the Oracles, the Microsofts back into the office yeah. and, and, you know, make those statements, which is going to be incredible for the city because, you know, that's going to start stimulating downtown um, again, which just, you know, helps contribute to the growth. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and while we've, you know, got a little bit of time left to just kind of to ramble that I'm interested in something. So, um, you know, I was reading about like how significant this Austin kind of crazy uh, housing market is and, and the, the kind of, um, you know, insane bidding wars, off market transactions, all that stuff seems like, you know, for places like New York, San Francisco, LA, uh, DC, like that's a fairly common thing. And so I'm wondering, do you think that as both the United States population expands and the population that's centered in some of these larger metro areas that are not in the center of the country um, continue kind of filling out new cities, maybe St. Louis, Nashville, Miami, uh, New Orleans. Like, do you think this is going to be a more and more common thing? Like people are going to be leaving the coast and seeing the value of working in places that maybe 15, 20 years ago were kind of deemed as like boring, you know, where I'm from Minnesota, right? Nobody's going to work in Minneapolis too cold, but somewhere a little south of that, right? Like, yeah. do you think that this is going to be something that we're going to see over and over again? Yeah. And, you know, honestly, as, as population just in the world as a whole increases, um, you know, you, you just can't keep living on top of each other. So people are going to expand, um, you know, they're going to expand West for the most part. You know, if, if you look at the, the population center of America, it falls somewhere, uh, in Missouri. You know, if you think about how heavy the East coast is, you know, people are going to start, you know, kind of, kind of branching out, moving into areas where there's, where there's more space, where they can have a little bit of land. Um, yep. and that's going to cause cities like Nashville, St. Louis, Austin, Dallas, um, Denver, uh, you know, just to yeah. name a few, like that's, what's going to cause those guys to, to, to blow up. up. And then, in, then in addition to that though, I mean, like cost of living on the West coast is extremely high and, you know, people are packed on the East coast. So they're moving to get more space. People are tired of paying a lot of money on the West coast. So they're moving to a uh, back here. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why real estate to me is the most exciting, you know, investment. It's like the, you know, you take any new technology and you're like, this is gonna be the future, right? Like I get crypto, right? You make another freaking video of me doing crypto stuff. But I'll tell you that like that, if it works great, it could be with us forever. If it doesn't work, right? People spent many, many hundreds of millions of dollars getting it to the point that it is now and it could just all go away. But real estate, people always are going to need a place to live. The population's only growing and land isn't going anywhere. If anything, with you know global warming, there's less and less land. Um, and so like, if there's any investment that you know demand is only going up and supply, if anything, is going down, like that seems like a no-brainer uh, investment to make. It's just a matter of can you get into it and can you wait long enough to see that, uh, see that through. So um, regardless, I'm excited to, to see what we can do with this. And, um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think you just hit, I think you just hit the nail on the head. And so, you know, the answer to the question that we had at the beginning of the podcast is, is 2021 a bad time to start your real estate empire and get into it? I think it's Never a great time. A bad time. I don't think there's ever a bad time. Um, <laughs> also, if you are waiting for the perfect moment, right? You know, like you're like, oh, I got to get everything in line time for this perfect. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Time, time's, time's moving. There's no such thing as a perfect moment, um, you know, get out there and, and, and start making it happen because it's only going to, you know, competition's only going to increase. It's only going to get more expensive. Um, the cheapest price that that house you're looking at will ever be is, is today, you know, in, in the short term. So get out there and right do it long term. Yeah.
I mean, I think I think the other thing, you know, like you just said, like you can't really time any market, at least not one that's kind of as um, complex as the housing market or stock market. I was doing some uh, some random analysis and it was like if you if you missed. So if you tried to time the market and you missed the seven best days that the S&P 500 returned over the last 50 years versus just putting your money in. 50 years ago and just holding on to it, your returns are like, and you, you, you missed a lot of the big downs, but you missed a lot of the big ups too. Uh, your returns were like one tenth of what they would have been had you just like been like, screw it, I'm just gonna put my money in when I wanted to, uh, and just see it through. And so I guess the lesson in all of that for both what we're working on, as well as um, just investing in anything in general is just like when you have conviction around it, just go for it. And don't worry about the price necessarily, unless, of course, Warren Buffett it if it's you know absurdly expensive don't do it but there's not going to be a good time to just wait so all right so that was a that was a pretty wild conversation around uh, around real estate there's a, a lot of things going on at the United States level uh, but you know and then when we when we zoomed in on on Austin specifically uh, you know we we talked a lot about what was going on there and, and and the reasons why but i think that you know what we covered is applicable across all of these hot housing markets um you know throughout the united states so luke you know what's what's a couple takeaways you had from uh, from our conversation today i mean i think the most important one to me is just understanding this this you know why prices especially in somewhere like austin have been kind of going through the roof knowing that you know, while it may look scary and intimidating that, oh boy, I'm getting in so much higher. If I look, you know, a year, two years ago at those prices, I'm like, we're just way over that too expensive, not a good time. No, like there's a reason <laughs> that prices are going up and there looks to be a lot of reasons why it's going to keep going up. And so, um, I mean, it makes me excited for, you know, what, what could be to come, but, uh, but what about you? I mean, what was the most exciting or a couple of exciting things you took away? Well, I think that there was a there was a quote in one of the articles um, that we that we were doing research on, and it said, you know, one reason that people were afraid of the 2021 uh, housing bubble was because there might be a a global recession or a pandemic or something. But what they didn't realize is that just happened, and house prices went up, yeah. right? So, you know, there this is this isn't going anywhere. The market's going to continue to be strong. Sure, there might be corrections. Um, but you know, as, as Luke brought up, there's, you can't time the market. There's, yeah, there's no, no point in trying. there's no point in trying and, and there's no point like the present or no time like the present. Um, so, you know, I think that houses are going to be expensive. You're going to have to get out there and maybe pay a little bit more than, you know, what the traditional list price or the appraisal for that property would be. But that's just a result of competition, which signifies a, a healthy economy. So, you know, I'm excited for, for us personally, you know, with, with our real estate ventures, but I'm also excited for everybody at home. Um, if real estate is something that you're interested in, I think you should, uh, I think you should go out there and do it. Yeah, no agreed. Yeah. So, you know, first off incredible amount of support from all of you guys, you guys are, are blowing up our downloads and you're interacting with us on social media. Um, you know, we're going to continue to put out a bunch of great content. So follow us uh, down below, uh, wherever, you know, you consume your, your social media, uh, Listen, uh, like, subscribe, follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. All of these uh, full videos are going up on YouTube along with all the clips we post, post on social media. Um, so, you know, get out there and, and, and leave a rate and a review. It really helps the podcast. And, you know, we appreciate our love and support. And, you know, we love hopping on this and doing this every week with y'all. Yeah. Keep it real, everybody. 